Disclaimer. AFL players, coaches, and umpires are professionals. The hilarious remarks and nicknames said in this podcast are not intended to be offensive in any way. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> Kiss your cousin. Kiss your cousin. Kiss him on the lips. Let's f***ing go. There's going to be beeps straight at the start of the start of scuff every single week. Look, mate, I was not aware that we would be starting. Well, we've started. Roll the intro. All right, this is the Cousins AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm Keeps, coach of the Super Subs. I'm here with my cousin Jados, coach of NFNL KFKL, and we're here to chat about AFL Fantasy. New week, same team name, hey? Yeah, same as always. It's not changing. Never will. I think I think that it might be time. That you call all your your board members into a room, you sit down, you hash it out, and you and you brainstorm some new ideas. Because that one, mate, it's it's, it's not, been it's been a big week for Nat Fife, honestly. What relinquishing the captaincy? Yeah, maybe step down. Maybe he was doing that as a sign to you that he just wants the team name gone. Ah, I think he could have a big season, cuz he's he's had a full preseason. A big season of what? I've selected him uh, as one of my keepers in our keeper. You you, you selected him? Yeah. Over who? Who? Oh. I don't know. <laughs> Over everyone else who I didn't keep. Well, he, he was on the he was on the outer. So who did he move from the outer to the inner for? Uh, you've got it. You've got to remember surely. Chad Wingard. Oh, <laughs> I think that's pretty fair. That's a tough one. Yeah, but anyway, let's let's move on. We're here to talk about fantasy classic today, and um, today what we're going to talk about are the cousins' top five preseason strategies the strats yeah and we've come we've sort of compiled our strategies um just from things we've learned over the last couple of seasons um and just like some big mistakes that we've made uh, as well as like things that have gone really well for us where we've decided yeah that's now our new strategy for how we play the game going forward initially we had a list of about 21 <clears throat> things that we've Worked, worked down and compiled into just five five tips that we think are the at the pinnacle of yeah. fantasy tips. Yeah, and you won't <laughs> you won't want to miss these because uh yeah, there um some of them might be a bit controversial, but we we really believe in all all of these tips. So let's get straight into it. All right, so tip number one for the cousins top five preseason strategies is to save a bank. Um, we've sort of determined that the ideal number is between 200 and 400 K just based on, I guess, trying and failing over a number of years. Um, but the reason for that is just flexibility to just maintain as much flexibility as possible in your team and to be able to jump on the mid price guys that pop after round one that you might not have necessarily started with. It's what slingshotted me up the rankings last year and i think it's it's something that everyone should at least consider yeah 
Well, we both decided to go with this last year. We did. I think we both started with about maybe 300k. Uh, excess uh, of 300k at least. I had about 490k. <laughs> okay, well that's a lot. I went hard. A little bit too much, but it did pay off immediately. So Yeah. Well, so the whole idea behind this strategy is the fact that because we were kind of thinking about it together last preseason and we were like, man, there are so many mid prices that we're sort of interested in, but you you just don't know. It's a bit of a roulette on like who's actually gonna make the next step and kind of gonna break out. Yeah. And we figured like and now that we only get one preseason game to see things and preseason games are just kind of a bit iffy as it is, um, we were like, Well, why don't we just wait? And get an extra round of data. And we figured round one data is way more concrete than a preseason game anyway. And what we can do is just launch straight into that one player that's like, yep, they've got the role, they're scoring well. You just they tick every box from that round one game and you launch straight into them. Because I feel like round one is always kind of an awkward time with patch up trades anyway. And it's like you can you can immediately correct a mistake yeah. that you've made with a bank. The mistake to round one. Mistake is a, is a big part of it because I started with Miller last year and was immediately allowed, able to get him up to six. Sicily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well as another another upgrade. So yeah, it's it's just such a massive massive bonus to have to yeah. be able to jump off someone that fails, jump onto someone that pops. Because realistically, when you're looking at a page full of names, even. Even with the data to back you up, it's pretty hard to pick the one that's going to boom yeah. over the rest. Well, I went from Machido straight to Heaney. Yeah. So, I went from a rookie who got dropped to straight to a mid-pricer who I was really keen on. Now, the Heaney pick was good for a little bit and then like his midfield role started to sort of drop off yeah. um, as the weeks went on from maybe like round five, round six. He wasn't really getting any mid-time, but... In theory, the strategy was really good, and we're both really keen to do it again this year. Heaney was awesome early too, though. He would have got you a decent leg up in the first few weeks of the comp. Yeah, well, I think coming into like round four, I was ranked 200th or something, so I, I yeah. got off to a flyer last year. It's funny. Really, you just take take a hit in the first round of you know 50 to 100 points maybe to slingshot yourself up for the rest of the year. It's Yeah. It's a great strategy. Yeah. It's um and I guess it's you kind of acknowledge that fantasy is a trading game, right? It and is it's just like it just gets you straight into the good trades. No round one, one. No one picked their starting squad and, and won the whole comp with it. So No, exactly. Yeah. All right. So our second strategy is to find value from every single player that you pick. Now, I think gone are the days where you kind of pick your primos that you think are the top in their position, and then you're just trying to pick rookies that are going to inflate as much as possible. Now, we're really trying to milk money out of every single player in our squad. And really, the primos that we're trying to pick are the ones that we think are going to be top in their position or roundabout top in their position, but as like heavily underpriced from that. Usually, we're looking for things like role change or like moving clubs, or maybe they had an injury-affected season. You're trying to look for where, like any value you can squeeze out of your um, your whole squad. Yeah, that trickles the whole way down the list. It's basically just picking players that have upside in some sort of way that can outperform their starting price instead of picking fully-priced guys who are going to either immediately drop in price or just maintain 
because it's a value game. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, when you think about it, when have we ever seen the top player in fantasy be the top player in the next season? It doesn't really happen. It's, I, I think it's Titch, extremely maybe. rare. Titch is probably the only guy that did back-to-back, like... Swanee would have back in the day. Oh, yeah, but, back in the day. But yeah, in recent, in recent, recent times, it just doesn't happen. So... Yeah, you're really trying to look for those guys that you know can be at the, at the very top, um, but are not priced there for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, and even even with your mid prices, just guys that can can pop that have significant upside as well. Yeah, and we'll we'll kind of get into how we decide between our mid prices because there are always lots to choose from and they're hard to kind of pick. So that'll that'll move us on to tip number three, which is. Don't pay attention to ownership. I feel like for both of us every year, we're always kind of trying to chase that one glory player. Elite pod. Yeah. It's kind of the great high of being a fantasy coach is picking the competition winning pick. And I feel like we've we've picked a few of them over the years, but because we're so hungry for the risk, we kind of also pick these duds as well. Yeah. We, we're just, we love a pod. When when you hit on one, it feels amazing. But yeah. when you miss, it's it's rough. It sets you back more than more than picking a vanilla player would. I brought up brought Taylor Adams into my team last year for an eighty two average, um, partly because he was unique. But he had the runs on the board, and that that was a bit of a flop. One of our one of our mates brought in Duggan last year. Huge flop, massive flop. Don't don't do things like that. <laughs> don't. Yeah. So I would. Yeah. Don't chase pods just because they're low ownership um but it also kind of goes the other way around there are some coaches that don't have much risk appetite and they're sort of always playing the ownership um but if you have a player that you're super keen on like i mean you'd say just go for it right yeah absolutely the other the other side to that again is don't pick a player just because they're popular there's so many vanilla vanilla players that People will see in the preseason, not be too keen on, but just go with them because they're in 30, 40% of teams. If you don't like someone, you don't like them. Yeah. And you don't really know the thought process behind most of those coaches that are picking those players. Like, you don't know if they're good coaches or not. The actual percentage of good coaches picking those players might only be a very small amount, you know? Yeah. The ownership numbers is such a... They just they don't really tell yeah. the the accurate story in yeah. terms of of good coaches picking yeah. players and because I mean a lot of years you'll see someone like Dusty be be highly owned yeah. and he just hasn't been fantasy relevant for years yeah. now yeah well it's yeah it's really hard not to do it. I feel like we're slowly the two of us are slowly getting better at this but yeah just ignoring ownership numbers completely is just such a like such a great way to play fantasy i think yeah yeah it should be irrelevant unless you're kind of at the end of the season sort of chasing a hat and then you're looking at the actual ownership percentage of players in the top 100 and things like that then it's a different story yeah that's but that's but with your pre-season team it just doesn't matter all you're looking at is the player on their own merits yeah exactly yeah all right so point four is to mitigate risk at all costs and you were kind of touching on this before with the Taylor Adams thing. Yeah, don't don't take unnecessary risk, especially with your starting team. Yeah, and I think the, the point with this is that when you pick a bad player, 
the the flow and effect is like it it's weeks and weeks and weeks of like chasing you know what i mean fantasy is like such a momentum game so if you nail one good pick you're kind of riding all those good scores and then everyone else is scrambling to get that one player in and whilst they're scrambling to get that one player in you're already looking at who the next player that's about to pop is and so you're kind of riding from like player to player with this momentum and then everyone else has kind of got this whole chase mentality going on and like paying top dollar for players that are already performing well so one bad pick puts you like straight into that chase mentality so like avoiding those risky players that are going to put you behind at the start is like exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You lost me for a second, to be honest, but you looped back and it, it wrote me back in. <laughs> it, it, it comes back to pick players on their merits again. Um, there's no there's no reason to pick a player that there's no there's no proven track record for. There's no there's no proven performance for. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's it. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so our fifth top five preseason strategy is proven performers over first time breakouts. Now that sort of ties into what I was saying just before. Mm-hmm. Don't pick a player that hasn't really shown any prior form. I'd, I'd much rather have a, a fallen primo, someone like Adams this year, even though I, I did just speak about his poor season last year someone like Adams this year who has the runs on the board from previous seasons than someone like say Josh Ward who we think is going to break out but we don't quite have any data to back that up yeah totally or you know even someone like Titch although he's priced a bit higher you you know what he does you know what he's capable of when he has the role so you just put two and two together at the new club you you expect him to have a high midfield role, so you just you know he's gonna he's got upside. Yeah. Whereas like these breakout players, the breakouts do happen, but they're really really hard to predict. You know yeah. the timing, and like it happens all the time for us where we go one year too early on these players. All the time, yeah. yeah. It's it's just much safer to pick a player based on data than it is to pick a player based on hope. Yeah, yeah, and usually these like the primos that have had. A down season usually you can kind of yeah. give justification for why they've had a bad year more often like than not it's injury, injury related yeah. yeah or um yeah and if it is injury then you shouldn't really have too much um issue or you shouldn't really be too worried about picking them the next season as long as they haven't had an interrupted preseason you know as long as it looks like they're coming back to their best like Cripps Cripps is a perfect example of that last yeah. year he kind of had two injury um, affected seasons in a row and kind of in everyone's mind they were like oh Cripps is cooked now but in reality he averaged like 108 or something like that yeah he'd done big in, numbers prior. yeah he, big he'd numbers been prior. like close to like a genuine uber primo before and had done 100 plus a number of times so in reality you know Cripps is like a proven primo he's just like he just had a couple of down seasons but in reality like his age he t- he ticked all the boxes and he was like yeah i'm feeling good this season and he has a brown low year yeah genuinely if you can't find a, a standout reason for why a player hasn't performed it's just because of injury yeah it, it happens so often a player yeah. will just flop you won't be able to figure it out and then they'll bounce back the next year and it's almost always injury related yeah so those have been the cousins top 5 preseason <coughs> strategies um, now we're going to roll into a bit of chat about the preseason. There's been a 
a few intra clubs going on. Some pre-season bolters that have popped up all yeah. over the place. Yeah. So we're going to talk about our. We're going to start off with our bog squad, best on ground, BOG. Yeah, the cousins bog squad. Now, this first player I want to talk about. It's not even really that exciting, is it? Yeah, it's not, but it's it des- know, he deserves a mention. He, he's a he's a bog man. It's Josh Dunkley, uh, and the reason I want to mention him is because we kind of we didn't rag on him in the last episode, but we um neither of us had him in our teams. How how the 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 tables have turned in a week. Yeah, the turntables, but um we both have him in our team now. He's yeah. He's too hard to ignore. I I don't know. Maybe we were just like trying to get too cute with it. We were overthinking it a little bit. I mean, he is at he is at that price where you still could fade him, but it's kind of awkward. But <laughs> it's funny. A lot of our the, the pig research that we did, the numbers that we we brought up from Dunks is kind of what got me keen. <laughs> even though he's you know obviously not on on the the level of the pigs or even quite up to the level of the the Uber uber primo mids of the past years he could put big numbers up he's got a massive ceiling and just having a a consistent role inside mid without having to worry about being shuffled forward it's yeah it's hard to see him going under 115 he yeah he ticks so many boxes because he hits every stat line and the only reason he hasn't been able to really put up like a huge season is that He's just never had like full midfield time at the Dogs, and now he really like he has access to that, and he's still at a fantasy friendly team. He'll never get tagged, hopefully. And also the trend that we we see pretty commonly is that players when they move clubs, they really like to, well, a they just get off to a hot start, like they want to prove themselves. Um, and uh, yeah, you just can see like he's had a big preseason. Um, he's he's hungry to prove himself. He's thrown some shade at the dogs' mids as well, which is kind of funny. Has did, he? Did you see the? No, tell me about it. There's a little interview on the the Brisbane Lions Instagram of him saying that he moved from a team with good midfielders to a team with better midfielders. <laughs> Imagine saying that about the Bont, the yeah. Bont and McRae. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's true. But <laughs> ne- mate, neither no. do I. Not but, even slightly. Neil yeah. is the man, but that's yeah, that's about it. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I thought I'd um, I'd nominate Josh Dunkley as my Bog Squad member for this week. All right. So my Bog Squad member is Jake Lloyd. He's been a staple of our backlines for for years and years now. Um, there's honestly a few things that point to Lloyd having a good season. One was like we spoke about before. Last year was just a bit of an anomaly. His average dropped by seven points last year. Um, I think a little part of that was due to Blakey coming down and spending more time in the back line. But Blakey's got glandular fever, so he's having an interrupted preseason. We'll miss the preseason games. And uh, how's he looking for round one? Blakey? Yeah. They haven't said anything specifically, but they okay. said he's gonna. He's probably going to miss the preseason. But he's got glandular fever. Yeah, so... Well, I don't know much about that. Like, is that... I think it... Basically, it just... You've just put me on the spot. You've absolutely I have. just put me on. I'm not a I'm not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, tell me tell me, Keeps. Well, I know it just is it <laughs> means that you're very <laughs> fatigued. We might have to call a time. Bit of a sleepy a sleepy Blakey. <laughs> but yeah, it's it I know glandular fever just no has, timeouts. has no to timeouts. do with um fatigue and the fact that he's actually missing a, a few games or a few a few preseason games and a chunk of the preseason only 
can help Lloyd. Um, Lloyd has just put massive numbers up for years and years. Like, it's it's funny actually. Last year, the ninety one point one average was his lowest average since twenty sixteen, and that includes the COVID year before it's adjusted. Mm. So in the COVID year, he averaged ninety one point five CV, and he averaged ninety one point one last year. So. Mm. I think he's significantly underpriced and we're probably going to see him bounce back to 100 plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the argument that a lot of people sort of made or at least the discussion around Lloyd last year was that he's kind of... Well, everyone's like, oh, he's cooked now. He sucks. Yeah. And that like um, Swans kind of played in a different way now that that they're a better team and they weren't like chipping it around. You know, back in the day when they were kind of a bottom bottom of the ladder side yeah there was just a lot of access to the ball for him but i think we saw on the back end of last year his numbers i think he averaged around the 100 mark for the do you have the stats on you there keeps i do but i'll tell you what else i have what glandular fever is a type of viral infection that mostly affects young adults it is also known as infectious mononucleosis or mono said common symptoms include a high temperature a severely sore throat (laughs) swollen glands in the neck which only no good you can't play only suits the lizard and uh, (laughs) and fatigue so nah i reckon he's out for the season to be honest we might not ever see him in the afl again yeah he's no out for a few weeks anyway um what were you asking me (laughs) about the end of lloyd's last season Oh, because he trended upwards towards the end of the year, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He was, he was actually fantastic. So the last few rounds, he he put up a few tons, nothing massive, but he didn't drop below 80 after round 17. Yeah. So he was relatively consistent, kind of got back to his old ways. Didn't see any of those low scores. He pumped out a 120 in the qualifying final. Like, yeah, again, he wasn't huge last year, but that's sort of what I'm getting at. Last year was the anomaly of the bad scores. Mm-hmm. Um. The year before, he averaged 98.2. In the COVID year, he averaged 91.5, which you can adjust that to be significantly more. 2019, 107. So, you know, he's got the runs on the board. I think he's going to be a top six defender easily. Yeah. I think there's there's no way he, like, goes below where he's priced at. Nah, not... So, yeah. at the very least, he's a, ni- like he's a 90-plus guy. And I think we both like see him projected around that hundred mark and being yeah. around the mark of a top six defender again and he's he's like quite easily the cheapest of those players that we project around the top six yeah the uncertainty in defense kind of helps to yeah jake lloyd being in the bog squad because yeah. there's not really anyone around his price that is screaming out to me yeah there's maybe someone but we'll touch on that in a bit all right so we're moving on to our favorites this is our hog squad. <laughs> hog squad. <laughs> and yeah, we just we love our hogs. We don't do. We? Yeah. There's a few hogs in the in the just in the hog the place. Trough, the, the pen. The the pen. What trough. can we say? What is what, what is under copyright here? I don't want to steal. I don't want to steal pen. Maybe maybe we can leave that. Hogs in the. Field. Just, just hogs, just running yeah, the around. Hogs. Being hogs, yeah. There's, there's anyway. some hogs. Just go. I, I <laughs> <laughs> I'm. Wait, the cousins pod was about to turn MA15 plus for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm ready to issue my uh, 
public apology to Tom Green after the last episode. It's about I know, time. I know you made your apology to Rory Laird on the last pod, but... Mine was definitely a joke and yours definitely wasn't a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I was I was ragging on Tom Green a bit. Um, Even after we inducted him into the hog squad. He's a chubby he's, lad. He's, he's, he's still a chubby lad, but... He's a chubby lad with a hog. <laughs> um, Tom Green... He's he's received like he's been hyped up this week. He has. And I think the thing that's always made me hesitant about Tom Green and I talked about this on the last episode is You're that You're scared of the hog. I'm scared of the hog. Yeah. But he's uh he's never really had an outside fantasy game about him. He doesn't um he doesn't spread too much for the plus sixes. People spread for the hog. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> I'm trying to talk about Tom Green. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> So he's um he's always kind of primarily been like an inside guy and he, to be honest like I was making a joke about his fitness. <laughs> Stop. Of course the hog has been an inside guy. <laughs> All right. I you got to settle down cuz. I'm settled mate. I'm <laughs> just sitting here waiting for you to talk about Tom All Green. All right. Tom Green. He's always been uh Bit of a chubby lad. Bit of but, an inside guy. But, but honestly, he's... Uh, yeah, I think his fitness has kind of stopped him from being one of those guys that also runs and spreads for those plus sixes. Like, another another classic example of one of those types of players is Matt Rowell, also a member of our hog squad. Oh. He's got the waddle. He... Oh. No? Nah. I thought, what's our criteria for the hog squad? Oh, you just got to be... A good lad and thick. You gotta be thick and have a thick hog. <laughs> Matt Rowell is thick, mate. Nah, but he's not a good lad, so. He's not a good lad. Nah. He's a bad boy. Alright, well, you're just distracting me from my point, Carl. Matt Rowell, if you're listening, you'll never be a hog. <laughs> Stop. Alright. Nah, you could end up in the hog squad, mate. We'll just we'll see how this You know, I, I, I'm done talking about Tom Green. <laughs> No, please. He's not, he's not in my team anyway. Continue, continue. I'm sorry. Well, everyone's just hyping him up that he's had a massive preseason. He's been he's been one of the dominant midfielders of the Giants preseason. He dominated match sim. I want to see it with my own eyes. Dominated with his hog. Yeah. I want to see with my own eyes how he plays. I want to see if he leads for a couple of plus sixes around the ground. He can Maybe take a gets his tack. He can, yeah. He's, he's one of those kinds of players like... He can, do- he can dominate a game, yeah, but Crips. but you you want to see out of your fantasy players a bit of like dirty junk, yeah, just a bit. You of- want your hogs to get their du- their junk dirty, yeah. yeah. You want the junk to be as dirty as possible, yeah. to be honest. Um, so he's very much on my watch list now. He was kind of not really on my watch list before, but I guess the hog squad members always have to be on your watch list. Gotta yeah, keep, you keep you, an eye out for... You can't take your eyes off the Hog Squad members because they'll just they'll sneak up on you. Yeah. Like the next Hog Squad member has snuck up on me this preseason and that's Zebes. Jack Zebel, Zebus Christ, the Z-Goal, King Zebes, Z-Bull. What can I, what can I say? The, the news has come out of North, down from the heavens that uh, Clarko's talking about playing him in defence again this year. <laughs> <laughs> we all know what he did last time he was in defence. Let me read some scores out to you from 2021. Go. 139. 
140, 170, 124. He averaged 100.1 for the season. Zebes is the man. He's a hog. He's in the hog squad. I think he's the, we can crown him the prince of the hog squad. Maybe he's the captain. We did say that Dog was do, Dog Doc was the captain of the hog squad, but no, what? Doc is just too beautiful to be in the hog squad. I thought um, Riley O'Brien was our captain. The king, yeah, captain of the hog squad. All right, well, maybe Zebes can be the VC. Yeah, Doc's out because he's just too good for the hog squad. Yeah, he is. He he deserves his own award. Now, look, I honestly don't think Zebes is a good classic option. I just wanted to. To pump him up as part of the Hog Squad, <laughs> we love, we love him. Um, but yeah, he could be relevant. What's he priced at, Cuz? Five thirty-seven k from memory. But Look, you, <laughs> it's if, cheap. If, if he comes out, in, you could in the preseason game and is taking bulk kickouts and doing all that sort of stuff. Then maybe you could you could have the Hog in your team. But you, you just you'd be a brave yeah, man. Prince Hog. You'd be a but brave man. I don't I don't think Clarko will let him do that. Yeah, I don't think so either. I prefer to just live in the in the in the past, the history of the yeah, hog, yeah. all the beautiful things that he did for us. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel if we pick him, we might hate him again, hate him once more. Yeah, I don't want to do that because he turned from probably my least favorite player to to your favorite a hog. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're moving on to our flog squad, and I feel this doesn't need too much explanation. These are just the players we're just not. We're not remotely interested in, and we just want to pump down. <laughs> we want to do the opposite of pump them up. Pump down like yeah. Tom Green does. <laughs> <laughs> we finished with Tom Green ages. With his hog. Stop. All right. Hog So, squad. the member of the flog squad for this week, for me, is Tim English. Explain. Well, he's a flog. Yeah. That's that's enough explanation. No, no. Okay. Team English, I, I I genuinely think is an avoid for us in classic. Yeah, it's just on account of his weird pasty body. <laughs> <laughs> just big he's a big Casper the friendly ghost looking mother. <laughs> You're not gonna respond? Nothing like Casper. <laughs> mate, I'm talking about his whiteness clearly. Yeah, yeah. He's a milky man. Okay. He's the milky bar kid. That's what we should call him. Um, can I talk about Team English now? Yeah, go. This whole pod has just been me trying to talk about players and Keebs just ragging on them. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I, I haven't ragged on Tom Green All right, Tim. once. <laughs> Tim English. Flog. Uh, let's let's avoid him because the back end of last season. So he's priced at one hundred and one, and his last five last year, he finished averaging ninety five. And listen to listen to his draw to start the season. I'm listening. So round one, he plays Melbourne. Oh, com- comes up against Max and Grundy. Oh, round two, he plays St Kilda. Oh, against Marshall, and then round three he plays Brisbane. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> against the big O, who uh, we know is restrictive to Ruckman. He is restrictive. So the way I see it, I think Tim English is a bit of a risk to start with. I, I, I see his price coming down a little bit. Or at least, even if he goes all right, I, I can't see him like dropping any big scores against those teams. 
Yeah, especially not against Gorn and Grundy. No. I mean, he's yeah. going to get double teamed. Yeah. We know we know he's got improvement. We know he's going to be a fantasy gun at some stage, but he doesn't really have runs on the board for very long yeah, to justify a price tag of 101. Just about half a season. Yeah. So I, I'm big on the avoid. Plus, he's a big milky man. Beanstalk. Casper the Friendly Ghost. Yeah. All right, my flog squad member is Luke Ryan, and there's one reason and one reason alone, and it's get out of the square and let Hayden Young take kickouts this year. <laughs> let him have him. Young, if Young bumps his kickout numbers up, he could be an uber primo defender. He averaged, what, 88 last year with virtually none. Get Ryan out of the square, especially in the last few games. Ryan was just taking all of them. Get the ball into Young's hands. Let him take kickouts. He's got an amazing kick. He will be an uber primo. Yeah. If I knew Young was going to take kickouts, he would be in my team 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. He would be a 100-plus player easily. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. He, like I said, he averaged about 88 last year with virtually no kickouts. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we are going to move on to... This is going to be the, the debut of our... One of our new segments, and this is Pod Merchants. I am the Pod Merchant. Welcome to my store. Alright, so to understand Pod Merchants, you're going to have to cast your mind to a little secret marketplace. You're wandering the streets, and the cousins have approached you from our store, and we've got some players to sell you. I feel like the sting, the music just sets sets the scene, really. Yeah, but, you know, I also wanted to set the scene again. <laughs> scene is, Pro, just, the scene is just make sure it's very set. set. All right. Set in The stone. first pod I'm going to sell to you is Darcy Parrish. So, Darcy Parrish, last year, before he was injured, averaged 108. In 2021... When he got moved to the midfield, he averaged 127.2 from 10 games. Let me say that again, 127.2. And at the moment, he's priced at 100.3. Now, his ownership, not that it matters, is 2.8%. So I want to make the argument that Darcy Parrish could... And probably will average 110 plus and be around the mark of a top eight midfielder and is priced at 100.8. Yeah, Darcy is the man. He put up some monster scores, monster scores in 2021 and 2022. And yeah, honestly, it was surprising when you said to me he was averaging 108 before he got injured because it felt like... It sort of felt like he was underperforming and he wasn't really getting any love from the fantasy community. No, not really at 100, all. 108 is a huge average for a yeah. primo mid. And he averaged 105.5 the year before. So it's actually an improvement on that. Yeah, He's got a huge ceiling. I, I love him. We both owned him in the 2021 season and he did some naughty things for us. He did. I'll, I'll, I'll love him forever. He actually, um, he's going to be in my team after today. <laughs> You're changing it as we speak. All right, well, I've convinced you on my pod. I think it's your turn to uh, convince me on yours. 
This is going to be funny because he did get a mention earlier, but my pod is Taylor Adams. <laughs> um, now, Taylor Adams. Last year was bad. Flat out bad. Let's just get that out there. He was bad last year. He's priced at 82 because he averaged 82 because he was bad. <laughs> but between 2015 and 2021, he averaged 104.5 from 122 games. Now, that is a massive sample size. That's a huge sample size. Last year was the anomaly, the 82. He was injured in the preseason, had an interrupted preseason, played really low tog in his first few games. Then when his tog was bumped up, the average sort of stayed the same because he was injured. I just think based on his career history, the things that he's done, there's no way he averages around that mark again. I think he's going back to 100 plus and I'm... Very hot on Taylor Adams wow. this year. 100 plus. 100 plus. And well, uh, if you think that, I think you have to start with him. Yeah, he he is going to be in my starting side. Ah. And not that it matters, it's irrelevant, but his ownership is 0. 0.48. <laughs> All right, I think. Uh, Tell me you're convinced. Those are, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, well, that's if a pretty you're good not, case. Listen to this. This is how he ended 2017. This is what the peak of Taylor Adams looks like. 151, 124, 128, 132, and then a 97 right at the end. But huge numbers yeah. in a fantasy final series. He's got a massive ceiling. He's got the runs on the board. Twenty, yeah. I mean, twenty nine is really not that old. It's not. It, there are a lot of fantasy studs that are twenty nine. A lot of good mids can still play. You know, a few years into their thirties. I think Adam still has you know five five years left of good, yeah. s- solid to good footy. But this year, especially, I think he's still yeah. in his prime. And he's going to be massive. Well, a couple of players come to mind that had big seasons as old players, like Mark Murphy couple of years ago. I mean, he had a yep. couple of down seasons in a row and then one year just went bang. Yep. Um, Travis Boak. Yes. So maybe... Had his best years yeah. over 30. Maybe it's not too late for uh, T. Adams. We see it all the time with these players. A, a primo often will have a random down year where they just drop a, a score that's 20 points below what they've been averaging and there's no explanation or seemingly no explanation and it's almost always because of injury. It's... The same thing with Adams. He's he's going to bounce back. I am red hot on it this year. Red hot. Cool. Not white hot. Not not white hot. Red hot. Red hot. Not okay. blue hot. Not yeah. Not green hot even. <clears throat> green hot is a thing. No, it's it's definitely not. But red hot, blue <laughs> hot, and white hot are all things, and I'm all <clears throat> of them. <laughs> okay. All right, Taylor Adams. You heard it here first on the Cousins. Remember the name. Fantasy podcast. I want I want my kudos at the end of the year when he when he has a massive season. Yeah, well, I'll, I want to pick uh, him, and if he pops off, you can win the car, cars. This is a Keebs guarantee. <laughs> it's a guarantee. All right, now that we've wrapped up our bog hog flog pod merchants, <laughs> tell me about your team. What's changed in the last week? Well, a, a couple of things. I mean, we touched on it before. Dunks has come into both of our teams. He certainly has. Um, oh, 
Tom Green is floating in and out. But it's it's just a watch list. He's a hog, but he's he's a watch list. He's on the watch. He's list. a watch list hog. Yeah, but this is okay. I have a couple of players I wanted to chat to you about, cuz because right, I've been thinking about it. Like I was thinking about it a lot yesterday. Hit me, Rosie, and Butters. Now they've they've they're not like names that haven't been talked about already. Yeah, this preseason, Rosie is in a lot of teams, um, but I think neither of them are in our teams at this stage. Yeah, I don't have Rosie or Butters. But I'm kind of just getting this like sick feeling that one of them is really going to pop off this year. Yeah, I think it's going to go one of two ways. And it's going to be the same as it was last year where they're both incredibly frustrating and, and go on runs where they're solid, but neither of them is a real primo. Or they're both going to pop and just be huge. It's pretty interesting. Like, it's kind of, it's weird. Rosie has the runs on the board, Butters to a lesser extent, but neither of them have the runs on the board for a full season. So you're still kind of backing in the potential over actual data. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, Rosie was so impressive last year. It's kind of hard to ignore. Yeah. I think the signs are there for them to really take over as the mainstay in that midfield. Uh, other than Wines. Yeah. But we also just have to keep in mind that Wines has had a really interrupted preseason. I think... And he's sad. I think... <laughs> he's sad. He's just a sad hog. He's a sad hog, yeah. I honestly think Rosie's better than Wines at this point. Yeah. Well, okay. That's that's something I wanted to touch on about Rosie. And this is what scares me about him is that... Okay. He won that... He won the showdown medal. Yeah, he did. He, he won their did. best and fairest. And I think too. any team that like is coming up against Port this year is going to circle his name as like, okay, this is someone we need to sort of, you know, put some attention into. Yeah. We can't just let this guy just roam around and dominate a game of footy. Yeah, he plays a much more damaging role than what Wines does. Yeah. It's he basically with Boke aging as well. Rosie's kind of like the number one tag target now. Yeah. But I think he could get off to a really hot start at his price because like I don't see I don't see him getting tagged like in round one. You know what I mean? It's it tends to be one of these things that if a player starts hot, then teams like really start to okay, we're gonna clam this yeah. guy. You know, it tends to be a form type thing and like this guy's winning games of footy. Um But yeah, I don't know. I he's one of those guys that could really just get away from you early in the season. Yeah, they have they have a pretty soft draw. So they play Brisbane, Collingwood, Adelaide in the first three, which you know two of those teams are good teams, but none of them tag. So he mm. could yeah he could get off to a solid start. It's an interesting one. Where do you? Where I don't do know. You, I I just like part of me because he was in the first iteration of my team and he was there for probably about a month and a half. And then I, I feel like I was like, I'm scared of him getting tagged. And now I'm coming back around again and just like, maybe I'm overthinking it. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with it. Where do you compare? Where do you see Rosie compared to someone like Tim Taranto? Because that's an interesting. Taranto, again, has the runs on the board, but he's more expensive and he's gone to a new team, which can be a positive. But that new team is Richmond and. It's it's a it's a bit of a scary proposition. I think Rosie could outperform Taranto, but Taranto no. is currently in my team. No, I'm Taranto over Rosie. Tell me why. Runs on the board. 
Yeah, and that is our one of our preseason. And he's been, he's been smashing the preseason. He's going to want to prove himself, like we were talking about before. It's just it's all part of the narrative of like this player moving club because he wanted more midfield time. He's going to want to take that opportunity with both hands. Yeah, I guess it's just the Richmond game style that is no, concerning. I'm, but I'm not concerned I think, at all. To be honest, I think that Richmond game style is a little bit of a myth and it's kind of just personnel that haven't really allowed yeah, it's, them to. Yeah, it's, it's kind of over-talked about, but... Part of the reason their midfielders have never be, been big fantasy players is none of them have been big tacklers. Yeah, yeah, that, that is true. And you, if you look at someone like Prestio, who came over from Gold Coast, his numbers aren't really that different to what he was putting up at Gold Coast. He's just been injury-prone. Yeah. So his a lot of his averages are affected by injury. Um, so when you think about that, I think... You know, someone like Taranto could... I'm not concerned at all about Taranto. Yeah, I'm not too concerned. It's just an interesting thought. Yeah. Because so can we talk about... Can we circle back and talk about Butters? We can, but I still am holding a grudge from last year. About... Yeah. I mean, me too. He could, He was annoying. He dogged the boys. But this is part of what it takes to be a good fantasy coach. Butters' flog squad from last year, yeah, by the flogs, way. Yeah, massive flog squad. But you have to put those grievances aside well that's one of our one of our sort of sub rules is no emotional picks yeah you have to be willing to forgive any player like deeps you know that's why the the never again list is kind of shouldn't it shouldn't be a thing because players can always make themselves relevant in some way Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 slim uh, oh, all right. <laughs> Butters was awesome to end last year as well, by the way. His last three games were all over 110. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't actually getting, like, bulk midfield time in those games. He actually kicked a bunch of snags for those scores. But this is the thing that's exciting, is that I think he actually is due for more midfield time. You say that, but where's it coming from for Butters? Because... That has been talked about since Butters' second year in the comp. And it's gone up, but only to what? Was it like 40% last year? Yeah, maybe? but... And it's, it's just not enough. For I think he's, he's going to be a forward mid-split again. Yeah, perhaps. But I think, I think it's going to like further increase, plus natural progression. Plus, I think he was actually... This is a controversial statement, but okay, I think he... Okay, <laughs> I honestly think he was all right. How dare you? I think it like it was just such a in like a season that was so interrupted by injury. He was sick. He wasn't all right. And he if was, you no, but it, okay. He so was look at the scores until the very end. Look at the scores from all the um, Port Adelaide midfielders at the start of the season, and they're all way down. Yeah. And then you saw towards the back end of the season, as the team got rolling, all the fantasy scores really like started to pick up. I don't think that really reflects in Butter scoring too much. His last four games were big. Yeah. But four like Port was sort of rolling before that period. Um I mean last four games, loss, loss, win, win. So, you know, I, you wouldn't necessarily say they were rolling there. Mm. One of those games I got pumped by the Tigers, but but fantasy-wise, they were rolling. Yeah, yeah. But Rose was rolling for a while, and yeah, Butters. I guess Butters got rolling towards the end. Maybe it was a bit Wines, of a change. Wines did too. Maybe it was a bit of a change in game style then. But it, I don't know, man. I just don't like Butters. I think he's going to play too much forward, and um, 
Yeah, he's just he's got a tendency to drop really, really bad scores. Like last year, he dropped a 59, a 34, a 63, a 55, and a 44. That is disgusting. <laughs> when you list them all in order like that, yeah, it's pretty gnarly. You know, he, he, he played 20 games, but he's pretty injury prone too. He, like, he, he has a tendency to get little niggles and miss games or... Like, the 20, 20 games is the most he's ever played. Before that, he played 10. Before that, he played 15. Mm. That was the COVID year. Okay, so he only missed a couple. But he just he gets injured within games. He gets subbed off. He's, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. All right, you've, you've done well there. You've, you've successfully talked me out of butters. I'm still on the fence about Rosie, though. No, no, I, so you don't you don't currently have either in your team. You don't have Rosie in your team. No, Rosie was in my team until very recently, and the only reason that Rosie left my team is because I needed to restructure and put a bit more money into my backline. Yeah, um, Rosie is awesome, man. I think he's going to have a great year as a, yeah. as a mid. I'm I think so. Slightly concerned about tags, the same as you. But yeah. So yeah, he's kind of. I guess we'll keep chatting about it, but. <laughs> who's who's at D1 for you right now? Lloyd. Really? My, mine is Gus. Yeah, I've since the last since the last app I've had a pretty significant restructure. But I'm I'm now sitting with Gus D1, Dunks F1, McRae M1. Gus was so 2 weeks ago, man. 2 weeks ago. And then I've got <laughs> Marshall R1. So who's who's your top player in each of the each of the positions? That's probably about I've a question. I've got Lloyd D1. Yep. McRae, M1. Yep. Marshall. Yep. R1. Yep. Dunks. So we have the same. Yeah, yeah. We have the same. That's pretty funny. We, do we what, have a similar team? The same, except I've got Gus and you've got Lloyd. But oh, yeah, you've got I Gus. do have Lloyd in my team as well. So where where's your money predominantly then? Because I've kind of In the bank. In the <laughs> bank. Yeah, so right now I don't have that big bank. I've kind of just waited to see about which rookies look like they're going to get named until I adjust. But I'm going to be starting 100% with like 300k plus. I think it's the one of the most important parts of the game. Well, Saving actually, my midfield, my midfield is like some... I wouldn't call it stacked, but I have three... Let's call it four primos. I think we've got the same top... Oh, yeah, I think we've got the same top three. Talk me. Talk me. Into, Tell, who's talk yours? Me through. Tell me. I've got McRae. Yep. Kelly. Yep. Then I've got Parrish. Oh, okay. So right now I've got McRae, Kelly, Titch, but I am very interested in Parrish. Yeah. Especially so, after Bad Merchants. Yeah. Yeah, I sold him well. You did. So mate. I've got Parrish and then Titch at M4. Yeah. So there, there's quite a lot of money in my midfield, but Parrish is like kind of, he's he keeps coming in and out. I'm really keen on him, but I think I want to start with a bit more money and I'd, I'd like to... I, I'm keen on Tom Green. I, I want to see him. I want to see it with my own eyes. So, you would start with Green over Parish? Maybe. I'm. I'm. I'm well, I want to see it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't love it. I, I'm a huge Parish fan, though. Yeah. We, well, we both are. Yeah. We, we. We definitely are. Green is gonna is gonna improve. It's just kind of a question of how much. It looked like he was gonna have a massive year last year. It did. And he had a good start, but dropped away. Yeah, he was kicking a lot of snags. But yeah. what I what I want to see, and I'm really going to look out for this, is whether he gets a little bit of ball on the outside. Like whether it, I think yeah. if he's fit, I reckon he'll push for it. Yeah, you know what hopefully. I mean. Hopefully, he's not one of those primos slash elite players that doesn't really try in the preseason. 
Hopefully yeah. he, he puts his best foot forward and, yeah. and is spreading for the footy. Well, the fact that he's been like trying to dominate match sim is a good sign. It certainly is. Yeah. It's it's really enticing to start with more primo mids. It's it's yeah, it's a hard choice to make every year if you want to have a balanced team or if you want to just stack the mids and, and try and go bang straight off the bat. Mm. I don't know. I, I feel like as long as you can justify each and every player, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I agree. I think generally mids is probably the hardest area to pick the top eight from as well. Yeah. Because it's so much more open than defenders and forwards. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of good midfield primos and every year you mm. see like a couple that just come out of nowhere like Andy last year yeah whereas you know most of the time you can look at the forwards and say okay these guys are going to be at minimum top 10 yeah and just rattle off a bunch same with same with defenders yeah so Keeps, is there anyone else you're looking at at this stage anyone else that's kind of caught your eye in the preseason I've got one more in mind that that just sort of popped into my head that I've been interested in. So there's a few that have caught caught my eye slash caught my ear. Um, I've heard good things about Jai Carly's preseason. Yeah, that's the name I was <laughs> just about to bring up. Yeah, a lot of things coming out of West Coast. Like there was a, a not an interview, but they were stopping players in the tunnel and asking who their standout performer is. Yeah, and almost all of them said Cully. Yeah, they're like Jai Cully. And then Adam Simpson saying that he, he'd cut his finger off to play round one. Yeah, like, and he was like setting the setting the benchmark for like, you know, setting the tone for the preseason and like leading all the boys and stuff like that. That's huge in in your second year for a guy that's young, but he showed in his first season that he can tackle. He mm. really loves a hug, so. Yeah, someone like that is pretty interesting, and he, he's under 500k as well. Is there anyone else catching catching your eye? I've got one more that I'm I'm pretty keen on. Shoot, that, that's Finn Callahan. Okay, um, basically the same thing. Just heard very good things out of the Giants about him. Apparently, he's been playing really well in match team. He's getting mid minutes, um, and then I think it was one of the assistant coaches. I can't remember exactly who compared him and Tom Green to Petraka and all of us. Yes, that. no, it was um. Sam Taylor. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, uh, another player. Yeah. It just it's a good pump up. He's four hundred and six k. So it's pretty cheap. He's just above rookie price in his second year. I think he's was picked number three in the draft the year before. So that's that's a very enticing price for someone that you know Hopper and Taranto are gone. Tanner Bruin's gone. He could get some a lot more minutes in the in the mm. midfield this year. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that uh pretty much wraps up all that's going on at the moment in our teams and you know in uh, the fantasy world at the moment we're kind of we're, we're rolling with the preseason now how long till round one i think just over 30 days yeah so yeah that's wild yeah i can't believe that it is the, the intra clubs have all started and oh sorry the the the, the practice matches of the <laughs> what are you saying <laughs> i've lost myself right at the end it's been uh, a long day. It ha- it's been a very long day. We've been here for what seven hours now. Something like seven that. Seven yeah, We've been working. We're getting. We are getting the cousins <laughs> content to you guys, no matter what. We are. The we, intra clubs have started. The practice matches are about to start. Yeah. And then the preseason. It's all happening. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. We've been the cousins. Stick around for more preseason content, and we're going to be rolling with the content when the season rolls around as well. So, and uh, just remember to always try your best to end up in the Hulk Squad. <laughs> All right. On that note, see you later. Bye.
kiss your cousin. Kiss your cousin. Kiss him on the lips. Kiss your cousin. Kiss your cousin.